With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards. And you know, coming over here today, my wife said, whatever you do, don't try to be too charming, witty, or intellectual. You just be yourself. So that's what I'm going to try to do. And you be the listener. I'll be the host. And we got a great guest on the show today, Brenda Nevins, health and emotional wellness expert coach, will be joining us today. She's going to tell us a little about her life journey and dealing with her cancer diagnosis. She's also going to share some tips on how you can improve your situation or do some preventative uh, emotional wellness work that'll help you as well. That's coming up today, as well as a very personal story of my own from years ago, combined with some thoughts on momentum. That's all coming up with my leadership lesson today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The 2020 Subaru Crosstrek. It comes with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus an economical 33 miles per gallon. And the Crosstrek has the lowest five-year cost to own in its class for three years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love is out there. Find it in a Crosstrek. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website clearvisiondevelopment.com Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards and I'm excited to welcome Brenda Nevins here today. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2013, but she's now cancer-free. She believes the greatest factor in her diagnosis and her healing was emotion. 
Brenda is now passionate about teaching what she learned on her cancer journey and helping others create emotional wellness in their lives. Brenda believes emotional wellness is critical in healing and uh, that the healthy emotions are one of the greatest factors in the restoration of the body and the prevention of any future disease. Brenda has a BA in education and in English. She is also certified by the Institute of Transformational Nutrition. She has four grown children and currently lives in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Brenda, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Tony. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. You know, uh, both my parents are cancer survivors. Uh, when they both, my, my mom had breast cancer and my dad had lung cancer. And uh, they both had some successful surgical uh, procedures to help them uh, remove it. And uh, my mom got breast cancer in 1990 and uh, has been cancer-free since. And my dad had lung cancer in 2007. And uh, he still has a very mild form of blood cancer, but it's not aggressive. But he has been virtually cancer-free since then. So beating that horrible disease is a blessing. Oh, yes. What wonderful news. That's wonderful. I will never forget both of the days when they told me that they had received that diagnosis and so I was just kind of curious, what was it like when you got your news about your cancer? Well, I think for everyone, you know, it pulls the rug out from under your whole life. Uh, and that's what happened to me as well. I think I was confused and bewildered and shocked. Um, because, well, mainly for two, two reasons, I think. Um, I had always been very disciplined about my, my physical body, really took good care of myself and exercised, uh, avoided things that I thought would, would cause me harm, didn't drink or smoke or even take caffeine of any sort. And so that bothered me, uh, number one. And then the other thing that bothered me was I really believed and still believe that um, we create our own reality. And I could not fathom how I had created this in my life. I, you know, it was, it, it really, I questioned my core fundamental belief about my place in the world and about life. So it rocked me pretty good. Why do you think you were so obsessed with that? You know, I, I think it was the piece about um, that I did create my own, own reality. Uh, and I, I really started thinking, you know, is that really true? Do I create my own reality? Do we have any control over our life or is it is it just like a cosmic roll of the dice right and we have no control over what what, what happens to us and um I, I was i can actually think of one night in particular when I, that really got me i was feeling so powerless so hopeless and i had been doing my chemo rounds for about two months and I was laying in bed in the fetal position. Um, and I, was, I, I lived in Michigan at the time and it was winter and the wind was howling and it was snowing like crazy. And um, I, I felt like at any moment, you know, that howling wind would just blow me out. You know, that's how powerless I felt. And what, what came to my mind was, the only powerful thing that I have right now is what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. That's mm. it. 
my body wasn't cooperating, you know, and, and so I began asking myself, okay, what if you created this cancer? Uh, and what are the powerful thoughts and feelings that you can change now to uncreate this in your life? And that was kind of a turning point for me uh, that night. I, there was a picture on my wall. I had a calendar and there was, it was a picture of a beach and uh, there was a hammock between two palm trees. So I decided to just think about and feel being there instead of where I was, instead of how my body felt. And so I remembered the feel of the sand between my toes and the sounds of the, the waves crashing and the gulls crying. And um, I just pictured myself and felt, really felt it with all my emotion laying in that hammock and feeling the breeze on my skin. And you know, I did that and I did that and I began to feel better. I began, began to be able to get out of bed. I began to be able to, uh, you know, think more clearly. And that's when I kind of really delved into, I can change this. I can change my emotions and my feelings. But first I had to tell myself and admit to myself that I had created this for myself. I noticed in your bio, uh, there's a couple of times you mentioned emotional wellness. So just for the benefit yes. of our audience, what do you mean by emotional wellness? Emotional wellness is being able to be aware of what you're feeling and naming it. And I always tell my clients, one of the first things we do together is make a list. I want them to make a list of all the emotions that they have ever felt in their life. And uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting experience because we kind of always just talk about a few, uh, but there are so many ways to feel. And e even if you just Google um, list of emotions, it, the, the list just goes on and on and on and there's a lot of them. But we talk about, you know, to be aware of your emotions, you need to be able to name them. And so um, those are the kind of things, first you have to be able to be aware, name it, by name because when you name something it becomes real and then you have to decide uh, that you get to choose if you want to stay feeling this way or regardless of circumstance or situation if you get to choose how you feel i uh, was talking with a friend of mine and he uh, is really deep into advanced medical treatments all about living longer, being more healthy in preventative medicine and things like that. And he made the comment to me, he said, Tony, we don't really, in America, we don't really have health care. And he said, in most countries, they don't have health care. They have sick care. You know, they, they take care of you when you're sick, but they don't really care for you before the fact, right? So, I was just kind of wondering, what, what's your thought about Western medicine? Do you find emotional wellness being uh, practiced there much? Well, you know, I think, I think we have this idea that the medical community is there to keep us healthy, when really it's our job to keep us healthy. And the medical experts are, are you know, they collaborate with us. But really, who knows your body best, right? You do. Um, and so if we know our body best, then we need to first take responsibility for our own health and then collaborate with, with the doctors um, to, to, to help us stay healthy. 
So I think we put that power in the medical field instead of taking it back for ourselves. So I'm just kind of curious, and I, I love having conversations with coaches and consultants. Uh, I could do it all day because I learned so much about their field and about their specialty. But I'm just kind of curious because you're going to know this better than anyone because of the work you do with your clients. But what's the biggest constraint or roadblock that people have? Like, why aren't they doing emotional wellness more to prevent disease? Well, I, like I said, I think we have learned to put our, our trust and faith first in someone else, which is fine. But like I said, we have to... We, we have to be responsible for our own health first. And really there's no excuse uh, in the world that we, we are in. Like you said, there are so many avenues and ways to find out how to be, be healthy. Uh, and so I think, I think it's getting better. I think it's getting better. I know when, uh, when I did have cancer and, and lived in, in Michigan, I wanted to see uh, a naturopath. And at that time, which was just five, six years ago, I had to travel out of state um, to a Mennonite community to see a naturopath, which is someone who uses natural means to treat disease. And, and so, um, however, when I moved to the Pacific Northwest, it was so interesting that there was a naturopath uh, that shared an office with the oncologist that I decided to to choose. And so I think people are demanding more of that. And that's what we need to do. Um, we need to decide that we're in charge of our health. And when we do that, I, I kind of like to think of it, uh, we have kind of four parts of, to our, our, our wellness. And I explain it to my clients in four concentric circles. So the first one in the middle would be your, your spirit wellness. And people have all different ways, you know, that's so personal, but taking care of your spirit. And then the next circle out would be the, the mental wellness. And that is so linked to everything else. We know how important that is. Next would be your emotional wellness and then physical wellness. And I think if we start to look at things not as so compartmentalized, but everything really is intercombined, um, all of that, creates one whole. So looking at it more in a holistic, empowered way, uh, I think. And, and like we said, that isn't the way that we've really been taught. And so I think we need to kind of step out of the box um, for our own health, but it's worth it. I don't know if you'd be comfortable doing this and feel free to say no, but I'm just kind of curious, would you go through each one of the circles and would you be comfortable telling the audience what you did in each one when you had cancer? Sure, sure. So the first one, you know, which is at the center of us all, some people call it the soul or your spirit, um, whatever you believe um, that works for you, but you are more than just this physical body, right? And, um, and, and we can all feel that, you know, uh, if, we, if we tune into ourselves, we can feel that there's more going on. I mean, who's controlling this physical body, right? And so that, that is that first circle. And for me, what I did uh, in my cancer, like I said, I was really, I had, I had believed and still believe that we create our own reality. And um, I believe in, in 
something that helps us do that. I believe that, uh, you know, it's bigger than us and we're here to find joy and adventure. And so when something comes along like cancer, I really want to know, hey, wait a minute, I, I must have, you know, gotten off the track a little bit um, and, and I created this for myself to teach me, okay, this isn't the road you want to go down, down, you know, and so what really helped me in the spirit side was to realize that I was a co-creator. Um, I was creating my life with, with God or universe or however you want to call it, um, and that this I had created this in my life because I needed to learn. Uh, and what I needed to learn, of course, as I found out, was how to manage my emotions better uh, and how to um, create more from my emotions of what I, what I wanted. And then the next circle out is the mental. And, you know, that's really what hit me. I mean, I'd always really thought, believed that thoughts become things. But that night um, when the wind was howling and I was so sick and um, just felt so powerless in my life, it hit me that, you know, my thoughts were the only thing that I could, had control over at that moment. And it was so reassuring and wonderful to think that there was one, at least one thing that I had power over. And what I had been thinking was, you know, oh, I'm so sick. How did this happen? you know, very powerless thoughts. And so when I decided to change those, um, that all of a sudden really encompassed my, my emotions as well. And the mental and emotional together created change, the change that, that I wanted. Uh, and emotions, you know, the biggest thing about emotional wellness is you have to tell the truth. You have to be honest about how you feel. And it's so interesting. We think, you know, if someone says, oh, are you honest with yourself and with others? You say, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. But when you really start to dig into that, am I honest with myself? Um, that's where things come up like, you know, am I saying yes when I want to say no? Am I pretending instead of living authentically? Um, am I caring more about you know, the needs of other people before my own, that's where all of this, you know, are you telling the truth of who you really are? And when we don't tell the truth to ourselves, uh, a lot of emotion is stored in the body. And that's what happened to me. I wasn't telling the truth about my life and how I felt. And your body is this amazing machine and its number one job is to keep you healthy. 24 hours a day, seven days a week until you die. That's its job. So it's always, always pushing for ultimate, optimal health. And when you store emotions that you should be uh, healthily expressing and being aware of, your body does that for you. My body stored the, these emotions for me. And, but then there was a, a tipping point. And the tipping point, I believe was when you have have disease set in, you know, it holds it for as long as it's, it can because that's its job. Um, but then it tips over. And so um, that emotional piece, you know, is so linked to the physical piece. Uh, and that's, and that's what happened to me was, you know, it was just a tipping point for me. And I, that's how it is with disease. Your body just can't do it anymore. 
Um, so I became much more aware of my emotions and I worked through a lot of emotions that I had. I, in 2013, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, um, I, I had been two years out from a divorce uh, and I had been married for 27 years. And there was a lot of emotion there that I had not taken care of that my body was holding for me. And um, it just, then all of a sudden it tipped because it couldn't do it anymore. So I got real busy um, taking care of that. And as I did, everything started to shift into a better place. So if there's somebody who's listening, who's thinking, wow, that's really resonating with me. I need to start down this road myself. Where's a good place for people to start as far as creating emotional wellness for themselves? Well, like I said, I, that the one thing that is really powerful that I usually do first, especially with clients who, who are in advanced stages of, of cancer, um, I, you know, I pull out that tool that's called the laser, the laser sword of truth. And I say, where in your life are you not telling the truth right now? And then we dig through that. And then I say, where in your life in the past have you not been telling the truth? We dig through that. And it's amazing. It's amazing the things that, that come up, you know. And then I say, okay, in the future, where are you not telling the truth? So we kind of get this all-encompassing view. Um, and, and like I said, people, people at first always say to me, what do you mean? You know, I'm always telling the truth. And then we start to dig. And we realize, you know, the body has been holding this, this emotion from the untruths that you haven't been willing to admit to yourself or to, to, to others. Um, so that's where we start. And then um, there's all kinds of great tools, but I also love just, you know, list out all the emotions that you've ever felt in your life. And that can go on for pages and pages. I mean, there are so many we usually use the same old ones like, you know, happy, sad, angry, depressed, but there are so many. Um, and so we really get, need to be aware, become aware of what we're feeling and then um, give it a name because emotion is just energy in mo motion. So energy has a frequency. So there's a reason why when we feel happy or when we feel bliss or joy or, uh, excitement, we feel good. There's a reason. It's, it's physiology. The fr frequency is, is higher. Uh, and, and so we want to be able to get into those states of higher energy and higher frequency more often. Because of course, uh, when you feel better, your body feels better too. It follows. It follows your emotions. It, and your emotions follow your thoughts. So it's all, all interconnected. You know, Brenda, you are doing such great work with people and, you know, you are making such a huge difference. I know there are probably, we have a pretty sizable audience all over the world that listens to our show. And so I just want you to speak to the people who may have cancer, who are listening to us right now. And if you could speak directly to them, which I'm going to have you do, what would you like them to know today? I want them to know that I've been where they are and I do know how that feels and that you need to make sure that while you're working on your 
your physical wellness, that you remember that part of your physical wellness is emotional wellness. And if you choose and decide and give meaning to your emotions and decide how you will feel, your body will follow. And that's, that's your way to healing, restoring, and preventing future disease. Brenda Nevins is our guest today, and uh, she's a cancer survivor, and she also has a coaching practice where she helps people uh, with disease with all kinds of great advice and help and guidance on emotional wellness. Uh, Brenda, I have a standard list of closing questions that I ask every guest who comes on the program, and I'm just going to give these to you in rapid-fire succession. You won't have any trouble with any of these, but there's 12 of them. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so, Brenda, what's the best memory that comes to mind for you? Best memory? Oh, wow. Um, they all involve my kids, spending time with my, my ch children. Uh, we just spent Christmas together last year, and with the COVID and everything, we've, we've had to skip some get-togethers. Get so my, my best memory lately is just all of us getting together for Christmas uh, and we can all just be ourselves and um, enjoy each other. And, and they're four of the most amazing people that I know. No, you know, not, I didn't have anything to do, do with that. They, 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 they came that way, but um, <laughs> I just love, love spending that time with them. Give us their names real quick. Nicholas, Erica, Philip, and Alec. Who's the number one hero in your life? Well, you know, I really... Uh, <laughs> And it's interesting, it, 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 it's a doctor. Um, her name is Christiane Northrup. She's been around for a long time, uh, but she has just really dedicated her life to women's health and, uh, you know, realized quite a while ago that it was different than men's health and it involved a lot of di different things. And so uh, if I had to have a conversation with someone, I would love to speak to her. Uh, what's the top value you subscribe to? Integrity. Who's the most important person in your life? Me. We have to be ruthless for our own well-being to be truly healthy and help uh, others. What's your favorite thing? My favorite thing would probably be kayaking right now. I've been out kayaking uh, so much and it's just been great. What's your favorite food? Favorite food would probably be Italian. What's the most beautiful place you've ever been to? I Italy. What'd you like about it? Ah, uh, you know, there's just something about Italy for me. Uh, I spent some time there l last October and did a little bit of, I, I was with my family for a while and then I did some so solo traveling and I just feel so at home there. Uh, I know a little bit of the language, but I, I'm hoping to learn more. But I just, uh, it's it, between the food and the culture and the people and the beauty, uh, it just encompasses everything that I love. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Success in one word would be wholeness. How do you want to be remembered? As someone who helped people have less pain. 
If you could go back and talk to a younger Brenda, what would be your best advice for her? Be ruthless for your own well-being. What's your favorite sound? I love to hear, I, where I live, there's a lot of aspen trees, and when the wind blows, the leaves of the, the aspen trees swish and make this beautiful sound that I, I really love. Okay, and then over your lifetime, what's the best lesson you've learned? The best lesson, I think, is always uh, remember to take care of yourself so you can take care of other people, but take care of yourself first. Well, Brenda, listen, I've enjoyed this immensely. You're a gem. Before I let you go, if people have, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who have become engrossed with your message and with all of the advice you've been given, how could they find out more about you? Uh, they can go on Facebook. Uh, I'm on fa Facebook, and, and it, it, what it says there is, you know, um, that I help women with cancer, but I do have men, men clients as well. Um, also, so I have two Facebook groups. Um, if you do, if you do Brenda Nevins and then uh, it's cancer is just a pit stop. That's my Facebook group where I put a lot of tips and articles and helpful things for, for people to know about. Uh, and then I do do work workshops. I'm doing a, a foundations of emotional wellness workshop um, on August 4th. And all of that um, you can see in my uh, Facebook groups. And then you can also reach out to me. I have had clients reach out to me at brendanevins at gmail.com. Is your um, seminar, is it, is it live in person or is it virtual? Um, it's going to be a workshop. It's going to be four, four, uh, four weeks vir virtual. Virtual. Okay, great. Well, yes. anybody in our audience could sign up for that. Yeah. Okay, and it's going to be really great um, talking about the foundations that you need for emotional wellness and really doing a deep, deep dive. I have no doubt. It'll be awesome. Brenda Nevins, thank you so much for being on our program today. Thank you, Tony. It was a pleasure. Mine too. Believe me. Brenda is a, a wellness coach and she helps women and men with cancer and uh, she helps with emotional wellness and you can find her at the places she mentioned and you need to sign up for her four-week workshop too i mean you're going to find some some excellent information she's going to give you all kinds of uh, exercises to do and things that can help you immensely i'm sure stand by i've got a leadership lesson coming up for you next here on better than before the 2020 subaru crosstrack it comes with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus an economical 33 miles per gallon. And the Crosstrek has the lowest five-year cost to own in its class for three years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love is out there. Find it in a Crosstrek. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Hi, this is Tony Richards. Welcome back to our show, Better Than Before, a business and leadership podcast. Some people know this. Maybe if you're a new listener, you don't. But I grew up in this really small town called Lola. It was named after a postmaster's daughter back in the 1800s, and it's a small rural farming community in western Kentucky. Now, the total length of Lola, when it was a thriving little community, was not hardly even a mile long in any direction. And in the sphere of this little town, both of my grandparents were entrepreneurs and business owners. On one side of the town, on my dad's side of the family, my grandfather owned and operated a Perina brand feed store. And on the other side of town, my mom's side of the family, my grandfather owned and operated a Texaco service station. Now, my dad's passion since he came into this world did not revolve either those businesses, but rather in the ownership and training of quarter horses, especially in the emphasis of cutting routines and livestock and cattle mostly. Now, my dad always wanted me to share his passion. He tried diligently and relentlessly to get me interested in the horse business. And until I was around 11 or 12 years old and able to work in the feed store and be responsible for myself, I went and participated in my share of quarter horse shows and my share of livestock shows and my share of cutting horse shows. In order to get me interested in the animals, my dad would put me on one just as soon as he possibly could. He'd sit me up on that horse and lead the horse around with me safely aboard. We soon graduated to me riding the horse while dad rode his own horse and he would have what we called a lead line. It was a line leading from the bridle of my horse up with a lead rein up to him on his horse. So my horse was attached to him and his horse. I was probably around four years old or at this time as the memories of this is, you know, they're pretty vivid in my mind. And the horse I would always be led on and would later ride many times was named Joker. Now, Dad decided it'd be a good idea to go for a ride on his horse, hook up the lead line, and have me in tow on Joker through Lola. Now, the name must have fit because Joker must have thought it'd be funny to jerk away from my dad and take off with me on board like streak lightning. So he did that, galloping what seemed like to me a 100 miles an hour back up through town toward my grandfather's Texaco service station. Now, the distance from the town limit sign to the service station can't be more than an eighth of a mile, but to me, at four years old, on top of this big, big animal running at full speed, it seemed like a long way. I hung on to the saddle horn as tight as I possibly could, staying focused to remain on board while Joker was smoking up the street at a full run. It may be hard for you to realize this, but in those days, service station owners pumped their gas for the customer, wiped the windows, and checked the oil. Did all these things in your vehicle for you. And as I looked up the street, there was my papa pumping someone's gas. He turned and he saw me and Joker heading his way. Prior to owning the gas station, now my papa had made his living as a blacksmith, so he had a lot of horse experience. He's had a lot of horse behavior experience, and he had seen them act all sorts of ways. He just stepped out in the street, grabbed Joker's rein, and stopped us on a dime. And my family often jokes about this incident, even to today, 50 years later, asking how far Joker might have run if he hadn't been stopped. And I'll be straight with you. I was thankful the ride was over. 
I don't ever remember being scared during or after the crazy ride. All I remember was being focused on hanging onto that saddle horn and staying on as that ride was happening. I tell you this story because momentum is a lot like that. Momentum can be scary. What if this thing really takes off? What if this idea really gets bigger or goes faster than we're prepared for it to go? Well, guess what? You got to hang on. You got to stay focused and you got to enjoy the ride. Momentum can start very suddenly. Things can change direction before you're ready in the blink of an eye. This COVID pandemic has proved that out. If I'd been able to reach Joker's reign, I would have probably instinctively tried to pull back and stop it. Our instincts sometimes betray us in that when we experience momentum in a positive direction, we should push it forward, not try to pull it backward. But if I could have had Joker's reign, I'd have pulled on it. Momentum needs focus. You got to stay with it. The ride may be smooth. It may be bumpy. But I had to keep my concentration. I had to keep my focus. And most importantly, I had to hang on. Sometimes you just got to hang on. Momentum does stop. My papa thought that Joker's momentum needed to end, and so he stopped it. But Joker would have eventually stopped somewhere. Whether it's positive or negative momentum, it does wind down at some point, so you got to be prepared. If you're experiencing negative momentum, you can be assured it will come to an end sometime. If it's a positive growth spurt, it'll also end, and you'll need to get it started up again. It's easy to push a rolling rock, and it's hard to get one rolling. Finally today, momentum can make you a star. How much attention do you think I got from everyone after this ride? Are you kidding? Everyone was bragging about how I stayed on this horse during this crazy gallop. Was I good? No way. Was I ready? No way. Did I want to do it again? No way. Momentum can make you look better than you really are. If you're a leader, you really need to know the difference between what you're capable of doing and what momentum is doing for you. You can ride it, you can enjoy it, but don't take sole credit for it. So Joker did all the work for me. That's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. We'll catch you again next week here on Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.